Wednesday to you all. It is Hope Day. I'm Todd Brinker. It is Wednesday, the 10th of March, 2021. Yeah, we're chugging on through 2021, aren't we, as things slowly start to open back up. Here in Southern California, we are getting rained on. Uh, supposed to rain through uh, in into midday and then let up a little bit and then start up again overnight and into early Thursday morning. So, uh, we do live in a, in a desert environment, so we appreciate the rain when it shows up. Rain is a good thing. Rain means plants are green and grow, and we are happy to see rain. Yay, rain. Um, yeah, so, you know, uh, does make driving around a little, a little, uh, but uh, anyway, um I guess they're voting today to in the in the House to pass the COVID relief bill, the 1.9 trillion. I guess it's a little less than that, but uh, 1.9 trillion dollar um, relief bill. That uh, the primary thing they'd keep talking about is the 1,400 dollar checks sent to every American, and some of those should start going out through uh, electronic deposits by the end of the week, assuming it gets passed. Um, Today they're saying that the ones that get printed checks will not have President Biden's name on them. He's uh, trying to uh, make a statement in saying that uh, I am not I am not Trump, and so uh, he's not putting his name on the checks. Whereas uh, President Trump made sure his name was on the checks. Um, it, you know, and it's one of those things where I don't know. I don't know if there's any precedent one way or the other how that goes. Like if you get. Um, if you get, uh, you know, your tax rebate checks, I think you might have the Treasury Secretary signature on it or something. It's not like, you know, any of the president's signatures are on bills that were minted or, you know, uh, printed when when they were in office. It's usually the uh, Treasury sec- Secretary and the Secretary of Commerce or something like that that's on a bill. I don't know. I don't have one sitting here in front of me, so I can't uh, speak. But, I, you know, I don't know. Um, doesn't matter to me whose name's on it, you know, money's money. Um, if they're sending it out, I guess we're going to take it, whether we, uh, you know, everybody wants it, whether you need it or not, right, is sort of the way it goes when, when people are handing out money. Um, you know, the irony is, is that it's, it's our money. It's, it's, the government doesn't just, you know, pull money from trees. They get their money from us by taxing. And so, uh, you know, they keep giving us money. They're going to charge us for that money at some point. They're going to, you know, we have to pay that back. Uh, and it'll happen in terms of increased taxes to to somebody, if not everybody, one way or another. Um, so we'll see how it all plays out in the long run. You know, it's hard to really understand the picture and the effect of something when you're in the middle of it. But you can look back 10 years and 20 years later and say, OK, here's what handled. What, here's what went well and here's what didn't go too well. Um, so uh, we'll see. See what's what. Uh, ooh, here's a story. Uh, so a Utah woman, 39 years old, dies four days after second dose of COVID-19 vaccinations. Let's see. Uh, and, of course, it's a page where all kinds of junk pops up in front of you. So uh, 
there was uh, been apparently there's been four deaths reported uh, filed by Utah families and their caregivers to the CDC's vaccine adverse reporting system. Uh, one case stood out. A 39-year-old single mom from Ogden died four days after her second dose of the Moderna vaccine. Her family is now awaiting an autopsy uh, and held a celebration of life in this past weekend. Uh, by uh, apparently by most uh, by by everybody's accounts, she was uh, healthy, happy, and had lots of energy, and was not had no pre-existing conditions or health problems, which is what's. Uh, uh, you know, is, is what's concerning about this. So they're doing a, a review of the, you know, of the situation to see if they can figure out what's going on. Um, so, uh, so yeah, let's see. Uh, she wore makeup to cover her freckles, they say. So this is a, you know, personal tragedy story. They're telling you a little bit about her life. Um, Four days after her second dose of vaccine, she was gone. Let's see. The youngest daughter of uh, family suffered unimaginable grief in uh, the past 137 days, uh, 70 days. Oh, because they apparently have lost uh, other people in the family as well, which makes you wonder if maybe there's a genetic makeup if, they, if they're dying from, the, uh, from COVID and or the vaccines for COVID, that there may be something specific. So, you know, and that's why they want to do an autopsy and figure out what's going on. Uh, but... Uh, Apparently, uh, she got sick right away, soreness at the shot location, then started getting sick and complaining that she was drinking lots of fluids but but couldn't pee. Uh, then she felt a little bit better. It was her second shot. First came with a sore arm, but no real side effects or issues. Uh, she was a surgical tech for a local plastic surgeon, and vaccine was part of the job. She stepped up to get her shot, she said, just like everybody. So she had no, no fears of vaccines or anything like that. Uh, so, let's see. Uh, the day she got that second shot, they went shopping. She felt fine and then started feeling so n- not so great that evening. Uh, you know, everyone from her work had flu-like symptoms, so she thought that that was normal. Uh, she got the second shot February 1st, and she was in bed Tuesday and Wednesday. So she got the shot on Monday, February 1st. Uh, and then Thursday morning, she knew something was wrong. She woke up early to get ready and, and uh, had her father drive her to uh, local ER. She was throwing up a few minutes after that and got violently ill. Uh, wow. Uh, they said their liver was not functioning. So uh, at least at the ER, that's what they were telling her, um, is that her liver shut down. So, yeah, we just don't know, um, you know. It, it, when they do these tests and, on, and create any kind of new vi- uh, vaccine or anything, you know, it's something that they um, they test as many people as they can, but they can never say it's 100% safe. And they, they know that if you give this to millions of people, that there are going to be some people out there that have rec- uh, reactions that were unanticipated. And, uh, it, you know, it's incredibly sad to think that this young woman um, has lost her life, um, you know, uh, and, you know, the, the, in the autopsy, they're going to f- try to determine was this, you know, was it caused by the vaccine or did something else go on? Um, you know, generally, if there's been vaccine related deaths, it's begin, because of anaphylaxis. Somebody's allergic to something in the vaccine and it happens almost immediately. Um, this happened a couple of days later and it's weird that the liver shut down. Um, you know, we may find out that she had 
an undiagnosed, uh, you know, hepatitis infection or something like that. So um, they're certainly going to, uh, you know, in the autopsy, try to see if there's any red flags or anything else to see what's going on and what other possible causes there might be and and see if they can identify if it was the vaccine, what about her made it fatal so that we can warn other people. Um, so hopefully some, some good will come out of that because we'll learn something about it. Boy, what a sad story. Here's Erin. Whoops, I hit the wrong button and I hung up on her. Let me call her back. That was cruel and unusual. Hey there. Hi. Hey there. Hi there. <laughs> hey there. Hi there. Oh there. Sorry about that. You were calling in and I reached over and clicked on the wrong button and was like, Oops. Oh, I've done that before. Yeah. So um, I was just sharing this story about a 39-year-old woman who, after her second uh, inoculation, got sick and died two days later. Uh, when they took her into the emergency room, uh, as they, as she got there, she started throwing up because she knew something was wrong. She was a nurse. Um, they're doing an autopsy to see if it was the vaccine. It was the second dose of the Moderna vaccine that she had gotten. Uh, they don't know if there was some underlying cause that was just undiagnosed. But when she got to the um, to the ER, they did a blood test and said their liver was shutting down. And so, oh my uh, goodness. So, you know, maybe there was some undiagnosed, you know, hepatitis that was then inflamed because of the vaccine or um, there had been some other deaths in the family uh, around COVID as well. And so there might be something genetic that they can say, hey, you know, you have a genetic marker and you should not be getting this vaccine. Um, You know, but it's thus far they don't know. So they're doing an autopsy to figure out, figure it out. But, you know, a 39 year old healthy woman who 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 after the first shot had soreness and a little bit of achiness, but basically nothing. And then after the second shot, became violently ill a couple days later. Wow. So, yeah, pretty scary. Yeah, I wonder if there was a hepatitis, whether it was um, autoimmune or or an infection that came from outside her body. Um, You know, the the livers don't generally shut down like that. Yeah. Yeah, no, they don't. Just, you know, in in a healthy 39-year-old person, that's... uh, uh, she said she was really, really thirsty the second day and was drinking lots of fluids and she felt a little bit better, but she couldn't pee. Uh, and so she's retaining a lot of liquid then too. So there's something, something definitely going oh, on. Yeah. That sounds like your you kidneys know. were shutting down too. It, it does. Yeah. So you just, yeah, I don't know. Um, but the, you know, the next day after the vaccine, they had gone shopping and by that evening she wasn't feeling good. And then the following morning she woke up and knew something was desperately not wrong and got her dad to drive her to the er and uh yeah no it sounds uh you know it's a really really sad story she has a young daughter um so her her parents are now you know raising the daughter apparently she was a single mom so um oh no yeah yeah that's sad she passed 30 hours after getting to the emergency room so less than two days oh well let's talk about something happy yeah yeah there's got to be something happier than that going on in the world but i just came across that because i was curious to see which vaccine she had gotten now obviously the, the they they haven't done the autopsy yet so they don't know if the vaccine was the cause or if it was you know if there was like some genetic marker that was tied in um to it that that and the vaccine or whether there was like you said some undiagnosed you know problem with her kidney or liver or 
or both. So, so uh, you know, I, I at this point, tens of millions of people have gotten this vaccine. So, you know, the if if there were a problem with the Moderna va- uh, vaccine per se, like there was a problem for everyone, then mm-hmm. um, uh, then then yeah. we would well, see more peculiar. deaths peculiar that it was only on the second vaccination too. the first vaccination she said there was basically no issues whatsoever um you know little soreness at the injection site so so that kind of tends to rule out like you know anaphylaxis or rejecting the vaccine itself because right you know we've already gotten it but i've read about several people who have had issues with the second dose like the second dose that you you would get more symptoms and feel sick for 24 hours or so and then go on their merry way. And apparently not everybody goes on their merry way. Evidently not. Wow. Yeah. So hmm. it is a beautiful rainy day today. I like it when it rains, clears out the air. It's beautiful right after it's done raining. Um, you know, it's preferable not have to, not having to be out in it too much, but, uh, you know, it's not so much because I feel uncomfortable driving in the rain. I just am not, you know, I, you always see those people who, who, you know, are going 75 in a 45 zone in a pouring rain. You're going, what are you thinking? Yes. <laughs> Even with four-wheel drive, that's stupid. Yeah. Yeah, it just, it doesn't make sense. But, but uh, you know, they're in a hurry, so they got to get there. So they say. So uh, let's see what's going on in the news that we can talk about today. Uh, we already talked about stimulus checks. We talked about vaccines. Uh, more on vaccines. Uh, let's see. LeJohn, Le, LeJohn. LeBron James could be playing another 10 years, Lakers owner Jeannie Buss jokes. Uh, he doesn't seem to be slowing down yet. Although he said he's not sure he wants to go as long as Tom Brady. He's 36, 37, and Tom Brady's 43. Um, although he has said he has said he wants to play in the NBA with his son, Bronny, who's in high school. And the earliest his son could be in the NBA is 2024. Oh, so, so he's got three years. So, yeah, so, you know, he, he, even if he sees his, his uh, physical skills diminish a little bit between now and then, he, 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 I, I would say you could probably count on him wanting to hang around you know, not necessarily with the Lakers. In fact, you know, if his son comes into the league, they're going to get drafted. He's going to get drafted and play somewhere. And I would be willing to bet that if you draft Bronny, you're going to get LeBron for at least a year so the two of them can play together. So uh, that'll raise the, the, uh, the his, his uh, you know, his draft value. You know, when they rate people in the draft, it's like, well, he's a twofer. <laughs> Well, anybody wants to ra- draft him, you know, he may not, you know, buy on his uh, on his own. And by all accounts, he's a quite quite a good player, and and you know, he's he's still a young man. So, um, you know, by the time he's ready to get in the NBA, we'll see what level his skills are at and what you know what his physicality is. But uh, but it certainly doesn't hurt to say that you're going to get you know, arguably the best player in the history of the league. Um, along with that, even even if he's older and diminished in skills. The guy knows the game so well. I mean, the last four years that they've had the new format where, where they where they pick sides for the NBA um, Finals or the NBA um, All-Star Game, yes. he's he's been one of the people picking because he's one of the top vote-getters, and he's won. 
So he knows the game well enough to know like how to pick the right people to put together to, for winning teams. <laughs> he's oh, he's smart, who, you know. He's a guy who. He, oh, go, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, you go ahead. I was going to say, I wonder if Jamie Buss, when she said ten years, he's good as on the Lakers for ten years. She's talking about him being a coach. Possibility, or or even doing something like, um, um, uh, oh shoot, um, the I'm blanking on the the guy that played for the Celtics for years and was a player coach. Um, I could see LeBron going to a player coach position at some point too, you know, and just saying, I'll only play limited minutes, but I'm going to coach the game mostly, but I'll go in when, when needed, that kind of thing. We haven't had a player coach in the league in years, but, uh, if there was ever anybody who could do it, I have no idea whether he has any interest in coaching, but he certainly, you know, has a mind for that game he has educated himself so beyond just the physical skills he's put in the hours to learn the ins and outs and recognize what talents and which skill sets go together in order to make winning teams so yeah and that sounds like he would be a phenomenal coach yeah i i really think he probably would be as strong a coach as he is a, a player if he chose to do it which is unusual because i think a lot of superstars don't make very good coaches you know i mean when larry bird did it he was moderately successful but never you know over the top successful and magic johnson tried coaching and tried being you know working in the office for the lakers and basically both of those were were not what i would call they didn't neither of them ended in great success you know um i mean you could argue that he had a lot to do with lebron coming and that that certainly was a success as a front office person but uh but you know, there's so many rules about what you're allowed to say and not allowed to say when you're representing a team. I think that just kind of cramped Magic Styles and doesn't fit his personality. So it's probably better that he he uh, be an unofficial advisor and just go about being Magic Johnson because I think he's better at that. Yep. <laughs> so I think he recognized he was better at it after giving it a shot. So, um... So it'll be interesting to watch what happens. When do the Lakers play again? Friday. So they've been on a break for the All-Star game, and so the first games will start. um, I think there's like two games today, and then there's a full docket of games on Thursday and Friday, and the Lakers will play on Friday. Nice. So we'll see. So everybody kind of got a little rest after the the midseason break. That's kind of the halfway point on the season. So... Yeah, a little rest and recuperation on on the bones from all that, you know, running up and down and pounding into 250-pound, 7-foot guys uh, or 6-foot, 9 guys because, you know. (laughs) Yeah, uh, basketball is an intense sport. Really is, you know. It's it's people think of it as is, and even today, it's it's much less so than it was 20 years ago. But it's still there's a lot of physicality, a lot of you know very large strong people pushing and shoving large strong people and trying to get to good position and you know i mean it's not like in football where you just line up and crash into each other but there's still a lot of like crashing into each other and and it's 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 very physically demanding and and especially guys that large lots of problems with feet and knees and hips uh and then when you're jumping up in the air to get the ball you know there's lots of like elbows poking people in the eyes and the nose and collarbones and so you know it's just there's there's a lot of banging and crashing going on out there and you know when you're a professional um uh and 
just stuff happens. It's just take, your body takes a beating. So it's it's astounding that any of them get through the season without uh, some injuries. In fact, I would probably argue that I don't think most of them. If you're playing any kind of minutes at all, you probably have injuries throughout the season, and you just play through most of them. So I know that Kareem used to wear those goggles. Yeah, um, well, because he was so tall, people jumping up in the air trying to get the ball would poke him in the eye all the time, and he finally just said, "That's you know, I've got to put an end to this." You know, James I'd Worthy like to did keep too. My eyes. Yeah, yeah. James Worthy wore goggles as well because his game was very often driving into the hoop, and as he was driving in, people would reach in and try to knock the ball away, and very often he'd get smacked in the face. And uh, and he saw what Kareem was doing and went, "Yeah, that makes sense." I'm actually surprised that they don't wear goggles and headgear. You know. Yeah. You know, kind of like the headgear like boxers wear, not like a full helmet or anything, but just something that'll take a little bit of the thump out of when you hit the ground. Because there's been a few guys, when they go down, they fall, they hit, and they fall or something, or they land, and, and you know, and they twist an ankle because they step on somebody's foot, and they fall. And then when they fall backwards, I've seen the heads hit the ground pretty hard. Um, you know, so, uh, yeah. So Lest anybody think many- it's a genteel game. How many water polo players are walking around with broken noses or noses yeah, that have you would, been broken? Honestly, you know, and, and with goalies, um, I, I think, you know, that, that in water polo, they should um, uh, probably wear a uh, t- teeth protection because you get elbows when people are swimming right next to you. You know, your elbow swings up as you take a stroke. And if there's a guy right next to you, it's not, I mean, you, you get elbowed a lot. Um, and quite frankly, I think they should wear uh, headgear. I mean, they wear a hat with a number on it that identifies who's who. I don't re- know why they couldn't have a half inch of padding around in, in that hat. And so, the, you know, it could be similar to like a boxing helmet uh, so that when the ball hits you, because the ball's hard. I mean, it's inflated to, to be, you know, a, a solid round thing. It's not it's not like a Nerf ball. Uh, and, and again, when you're, you know, playing in a, on a, in a crowded pool or, a, you know, offense or defense you're right up next to each other and elbows and you know i don't know it seems to me that there could be some more protection down there too but who am i to say oh wait a minute i'm the guy who's always right that's right (laughs) so therefore it must be that way it must be it must be it must be oh my neighbor is heading on his motorcycle to work poor guy Ooh, yeah. This is not the this is the time. If that's your only form of transportation, you're going like, oh, it's not a good day. I mean, you even you put rain gear on. And in Southern California, there's there are a lot more days where there's no rain, and there are days with rain, right? I mean, so you know, if if you're if you're on a tight budget, a motorcycle, um, as long Mm -hmm. as you're a very very good defensive driver, a motorcycle um, makes sense, right? But on a day like this, gotta be super vigilant though. You know, yes, I mean, and do. even if you're super vigilant, things happen that you can't anticipate or can't react to quick enough. I uh, used to work in uh, downtown L.A., not too far from the L.A. County Museum of Art, you know, the LACMA or the, the La Brea Tar Pits. I was, you know, uh, half a block away, two blocks away, something like that. And uh, um, Wilshire and Fairfax, that's where I worked. And it, you know, it was a two-hour drive. And a lot of times it was sort of in stop and go. And I'd watch these guys going down the, the little median on their bikes and go, you know, maybe I should try that. And I talked to a guy who worked in our building who had one and, and got some pointers in terms of what kind of bike and, and how they're categorized because that changes your insurance, whether it's a sport bike or a touring bike and that kind of thing. And, uh, 
and was literally coming home to start talking to my wife about it and saying, hey, I've done a little looking online and, and this is you know early days of internet, but I had done a little bit of research and and was going to talk to her about it. And I was sitting in traffic. I think we were maybe we were crawling forward at about 10 miles an hour. And I watched this guy come by me on my left and uh, a car veered, sort of not veered, but kind of meandered to the left into him, bumped him. He bumped off of it with his right leg. Then he started to go over used his hand and hit the bike against the car that was on his left side to keep himself upright and then went on through. And I watched him bounce off one car onto the other, keep himself upright and keep going. He was safe. He was fine. That was enough to tell me I don't want to do that. (laughs) Yeah. You know, because there's no accounting for that guy who just suddenly drifts over in your way and you don't have time to react to him. Yes. So. Um, And I, I have seen similar things happen. Um, where somebody will change lanes and the guy who's lane splitting um, will get upset at the, you know, I've watched them. They'll, they'll start yelling at the guy who moved over. But when yeah. you're lane splitting and you're on a motorcycle and you're going substantially faster than the rest of traffic, chances are you're not going to be seen. Yeah, and if you it's, have it's... a bike that's, not, that's quiet, you're not going to be heard. Yeah. Yeah, well, and, and and I get it, though. I mean, there's a lot of people who switch lanes without signaling. And part of the reason that they do that is not only just bad habits, but in the L.A. area, if you signal that you're going to move into a space, a lot of times people tighten up so you can't. Yes. And so you just, you jerks. know, if you're, if you're used to commuting and you want to change lanes and there's a gap, you just slide over. Because if you signal, the guy, the guy that's, that will f- move up and cover the gap instead of letting you in. Now, there are a lot of people who will also just let you in, go like, fine we're all going at the same pace you know you're not going to get you know your car's 10 feet in front of me you'll get there you know 10 a tenth of a second before i do Uh, (laughs) is that worth getting upset about but not everybody has that attitude a lot of people are not not built for commuting you know and if you get home at the end of the day of a commute and you're you know steaming and angry and and your adrenaline's pumping then then uh you you know probably shouldn't be commuting very much and certainly shouldn't be on a motorcycle uh because, yeah, you know, I don't know. I, I, I see the benefits, but the risks are very high as well. So I just don't know that I would be, um, well, I should say I don't know that I chose not to do it. So to this point, I have not gotten a bike or ever, ever done that as a means of commuting. And now I don't commute. But, yes. you know, when I used to have a two-hour commute each way, you know, at one point I lived in Redlands and was commuting to that location in L.A. And then I moved to Corona, which knocked off about a half an hour. Um. So instead of two hours and 15 minutes, it was an hour and 45 minutes. Of course, those are averages. There were days when it was three hours, depending on traffic and accidents and stuff. So commuting in Southern California is a hazardous lifestyle. Indeed. Well, and although I got to be honest that that maybe through this COVID thing, you'll see many, many, many more meetings that will even more back in person that will remain online. If you have yeah. to have a quick meeting with somebody, you know, you're not going to have to get in your car and drive. You're going to have that meeting online. It's And, you know, think about what companies save in, because a lot of those meetings, they'll, they'll be refreshments, so they'll have coffee and soft drinks, or they'll be, they'll be their lunch meetings, and they bring in food and all of that. Those mm-hmm. costs go away when you're online, uh, not yeah. to mention having to make sure that you have space for conference room in your office so that, you know, all of that stuff that, and the commute time. So that's lost time. 
If you want your yeah. employees to be productive, that's that's lost time. Yeah, no, no, no doubt. It absolutely is. And I think that you're going to see a lot of places saying, well, we really don't need you to come into the office a lot of days. You know, maybe we set up a schedule where everybody's in on Monday, but the rest of the week it's optional. You can be in the office if you need to for something you're doing. And if you don't stay home and work, you know, everybody's got home offices set up now and we can get a hold of you if we need to. And um, and so, you know, I think this year has taught us that that physical locations for companies are not absolutely necessary for every company i mean if you work you know if you work in meatpacking you've got to come in and work in the meatpacking plant you know i mean you can't do that remotely um there are certain types of businesses and i don't know why i picked meatpacking but that's what popped into my head um but you know there's certain things you have to do that if you're working on an assembly line of some sort but there's a whole lot of people who do brain work and they need a computer and they need to occasionally talk to other people yes that can be done pretty easily from home you know, or maybe there'll be a combination of, of remote working remotely and coming to the office, you know, so that because there, there is a benefit, there is a value to seeing your coworkers every now and then. <laughs> you know, I miss I miss getting together in meetings, but that doesn't mean that we have to be together all the time, you know. So maybe that maybe that's maybe that's how things will will shake out. I don't know. You know, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we're all, we're guessing, right? And I think what yeah. we're going to see is probably a variety of things. Different companies will address it differently. Some companies are going to say, hey, you know, if you want to continue to work from home, we can figure out some way for that to work for you. And for other companies, they're going to say, no, we really need you back in the office now that we're opening back up. And others are going to say, you know what, we're going to shut the offices down because it was a big chunk of money and expense. We can be much more profitable if we all just continue to work virtually. So, you know. And that makes sense. You know, each company is going to figure out what works for them. So, you know, I remember in the 90s, late 90s, um, trying to do some virtual work. In fact, when I was working at that that location downtown, trying to set things up to where we could do it. And the, um, you know, I was part of the executive team. And when I had suggested that maybe one day a week I would work from home, they were like, nope. Nope, we want you here. I think, okay. <laughs> but, you know, um, I, that's that was the attitude then. I suspect if I had brought that up, you know, at a different time, you know, and the skill, the, the tools are better now, you know, the tools for, for doing virtual meetings and stuff. I mean, Skype was in its infancy, and it sort of worked some of the time. And, uh, uh, you know, these these video meeting tools are actually pretty solid now. They are. So apparently a sixth woman has accused Governor Cuomo of sexual misconduct. Um, and he, his response is, as I said last week, this is very simple. I never touched anyone inappropriately. You know, but looking at mm-hmm. somebody lecherously or making a creepy comment, that's, that's inappropriate too. So, yeah. um, so an, apparently... Um, this alleged its incident took place after the woman, a member of his executive chamber staff, had been summoned to the mansion to assist the governor with a work-related matter. The woman's supervisors recently became aware of the allegation and alerted the governor's council on Monday. Um, mm-hmm. They didn't, so the governor's office did not address the allegation specifically. This is according to the Daily Wire, uh, but 
According to their acting counsel, Beth Garvey, all allegations we've learned of directly or indirectly are going to prompt are going promptly to the investigators appointed by the attorney general. So they're very, very yeah, vague well, about exactly what happened. Well, yeah, no, should should be investigated. But yeah, I mean, the vagueness concerns me. I don't know. I'm kind of of two minds. I mean, one is, you know, there seems to be multiple accusations, but also how come all the accusations come out now after one person says something? So then, you know, you, you've got to then look at each accusation and say, well, is there really something there? Because, you know, the idea that it was bad if it made somebody uncomfortable. Well, how am I supposed to know what makes everybody else uncomfortable? I mean, clearly, you know, grabbing somebody or touching somebody, you know, who, who doesn't want to be touched is is could make them uncomfortable. That's clear. But there's so much gray area there as to what is or isn't, uh, you know, makes somebody uncomfortable. I could come in and say, you look nice today and then walk on my merry way. And they could go, why, why does it matter how I look? That makes me feel uncomfortable, you know? And it's like, well, okay, but that was a pretty benign comment, you know? I mean, and, and, and these days people seem to get really upset about a whole lot of nothing sometimes. And other times there's a whole lot there, you know, it's just, it's really hard to say is you just hope the investigators are able to suss out what's really going on. Yeah. Yes. You know, they need the detail, like you said. It's you know, when you say vaguely somebody did something that was inappropriate. Well, that's not enough information, you know. And you maybe don't have to make it public, but you certainly have to tell the investigator. Otherwise, they're going to go, "Okay, there's nothing there," <laughs> you know. Yes, um, and you know, it's certainly if it's not inappropriate, it certainly dances on that line of appropriateness. Yeah, I mean, it's it's easy enough to do, right? We all know those people who, who are just kind of smarmy, and you kind of go like, yeah, they don't seem to have very good... They don't they don't respect social graces, and, and that can be a problem. Um, you know, I mean, everybody's met somebody like that, you know? But the flip side is, you know, somebody who, like I said, can very benignly say things like, hey, you look nice today, and think nothing of it, and other somebody else can take offense at that. And it's like, well, how am I supposed to know what's offensive to you? Am I not allowed to to acknowledge your existence by saying, you look nice today? I have to walk by and go, hello. <laughs> you know, or, no, or barely speak at all, you know? I mean, it's... it's the social graces, are, are the lines are, are very blurry, and... and, and uh, and when people, you know, how long ago was this? Is Are these people, has this been sat on for 10 years and 10 years after the fact people are saying he said something? Or was this last week or last year or six months ago? You know, I mean, that also has something to do with it. And certainly in my mind has something to do with the legitimacy of the accusations. And I'm no Mario Cuomo um, uh, fan to be like saying, uh, you know, trying to protect him because I, I think he's a bozo. I think he, he's a terrible governor and, and has made horrible decisions for his state. But, you know, that's me. Yes. Yes. So I, um, uh, I am really not feeling well and I'm wondering if I can, if I can bow out a little early. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Well, I, I fully understand. Yeah. You, you clearly were not feeling well when we started the radio show this morning. So, um, uh, thanks for, for, uh, you know, joining in for a little while, and I hope you feel better. Thank you. Um, and, uh, you know, get well. Thank you so much, and hopefully tomorrow I'll be 100%, and uh, we'll see. So have a great day, yeah. everybody. I'm signing off. All right. Bye, Aaron. Bye. So um, I'm going to keep going here just for a little bit and talk about stuff that's going on. 
Um, it's been in the news quite a bit. People should know that Apple is switching to Apple M1 Macs. Those are Macs that run off of Apple's own silicone chips inside. They're no longer Intel inside. And um, they have a layer of programming called Rosetta that allows them to run most, but not all, Intel software on these M1 Macs. But everybody realizes that running things through Rosetta, it slows them down a little bit, that if you want them to run their very best, they should be written and compiled to run on the M1 hardware directly. Well, Photoshop, one of the most popular pieces of software out there, and certainly for anybody who does photo work, has now released a native version of Photoshop that will run natively on Apple's M1 Max. So um, that's just out today. Um, and so they're rolling out with the Apple Silicon support. So people who are Photoshop users should see a big bump in the um, uh, response times and how quickly screens are redrawn and things like that. Uh, if you have one of the newer M1-based Macs. And uh, let's see, what else is going on in the world of tech? Um, so uh, Twitter says there's a big overhaul for of TweetDeck. They're going to do a big redesign that should be out shortly, so that'll be interesting for people who are big Twitter fans. Um, and... Uh, We'll see what goes on. Hey, there's a video of a drone flying through a bowling alley. It says a bustling bowling alley. I wouldn't know what that is because our bowling alleys aren't bustling here in the SoCal area. Our bowling alleys are crickets and tumbleweeds. Um, I mentioned it yesterday, but I'll repeat it again today. If you have a Mac, iPhone, iPad, or Apple Watch, there is a uh, security update that was released yesterday or I guess the day before, slightly the day before Monday. Um, it is uh, a good idea to update. So if you don't have your stuff set on auto update, then you can go to settings, general, and update and check. And, and it will check and see if there's an update available. Uh, if it says you're on the latest version, then you're fine. If not, then go ahead and do that update. On my Mac and iPad, Took well, Mac, iPad, and phone. It all took maybe 15 minutes or so uh, for it to go through the process and reboot. So uh, just be aware that you got to set set aside 15, 20 minutes to make sure that because uh, you'll be without your device while it's doing the restart, update, and restart. Uh, Apple Watch took maybe 10 minutes, um, and if you have you know, iPhone, you need to do your iPhone first, and then from your iPhone you can go to the Apple Watch app and do the same thing. Go to General, then Settings, and Update, and it'll then update the watch. Uh, and a quick reminder, if you're updating your watch, it needs to be at least 50% charged and should be sitting on the charging stand, and your watch needs to be within about 20 feet of it, 30 feet of it, something like that, so that uh, it can recognize that the watch is still in the vicinity and get its update get its update on. Um, but these are uh, fixes in the Safari browser. Apparently, there were, uh, the underlying so uh, software that is open source, WebKit, had a hole in it that was discovered and could be... Um, uh, used to attack your computer or put viruses on your computer. If you went to a website that had code on it, it could inject that code into your device and then um, and then from there gain control of your device enough to put other software on your on your device, whether it be a phone or an iPad or a uh, Mac. So this was essentially a Safari patch through WebKit and. Uh, Anywho, good to know. So um, 
Nikon has announced the development of a Z9 full-frame flagship camera. So this is their full digital, not a DSLR. It's not a single-lens reflex. There's not a mirror that goes through. This is a mirrorless camera where the viewfinder is a tiny screen that you're looking at as opposed to a mirror that reflexes through the screen. The idea there is is that then you don't have to lift a shutter up, uh, lift the mirror up uh, when you take pictures so you can see continuously. And, uh, and most of the major camera manufacturers are going to mirrorless developments as, as we speak. And uh, Nikon has uh, a Z7 and, a, and, and Z6, and they have both first and second generations of those with different features. They have a Z5 and a Z50, which is not a full-frame camera. And this Z9 will be their top-of-the-line flagship camera, similar to the... Um, uh, are competing against like their uh, F. Uh, I'm sorry, not F. The, their D5, I guess, is their top of the line camera right now. Yeah, with their DSLRs, they have a D number. F was for film, D was for digital. And Nikon has done something kind of weird where it's like a single digit number, like a, a one, two, three, four, or five, means that's their top of the line pro cameras, and those are you know six, seven thousand dollars for the for the body of the camera alone without a lens on it. And then, um, and then three-digit numbers, uh, 300, 500, 700, 750, 720, 800, Those are all their prosumer-type cameras that are full-frame cameras uh, for the most part. And uh, at least anything over 500, I think. Uh, no, everything over 600 is a full-frame. Anything from 500 and below is a is a smaller um, sensor size. It's their um, their uh, DX size cameras as opposed to their FX size cameras. And then uh, if their camera has four digits in it, like a 7,000, a 5,000, or a 3,000 series camera, then that's their consumer cameras, the more affordable cameras. And you know, as you move up from one to the next, which goes down in numbers, which always seemed odd. But uh, if you moved up in series, you would get things like weather sealing and, and fully magnesium bodies instead of and less plastic parts um, and just more rugged ca cameras, de cameras designed for professionals. So if you're, you know, sports photographer, your camera can, you know, throw it in the bag. It'll take a beating and keep on, keep on shooting type of thing. And uh, so that was always Nikon's numbering system. And so now instead of doing that, I guess they're going to go now. The best camera's got the biggest number, so it's going to go, you know, Z, 6, 7, and 9. They skipped 8. Maybe they'll have an 8 at some time, but they've got a Z9. And then to designate the difference from one year to the next, then they put another number on it. Like right now they have the Z7 and the Z7 II uh, or Z7II. I don't know if they're going to go continue with Roman numbers or not. So who knows? They could end up someday with a you know, XVII camera at some point, which would be, what, a 57? <laughs> yeah, yeah, 57 years from now if they come out with a new model every year, which they don't. I'm sure they'll come out with something different by then, and cameras will be a foregone conclusion, right? They'll be built into your, uh, into your glasses frames, and it won't matter because everybody can take perfect, perfect pictures all the time, anywhere they are kind of creeps me out they're gonna have to redesign public bathrooms because uh everybody you know I th in women's bathrooms everybody's got a stall guys bathrooms they they've got urinals on the walls and stuff and it's like if you come in with glasses and cameras it's like nope 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 close me up somewhere i don't need you in taking photos of me uh even if you didn't intend to 
So, um, all right. Well, you know, Erin had to go. She's getting over a cold, so let's hope that she continues to get well. I don't know that I'm going to go a whole lot further here. I don't know that there's anything else that we uh, really need to talk about. And I've got to leave in a little bit for a dental appointment. Yay me. So, um, everybody, thank you very much for joining us, and uh, I appreciate your listenership. If you are listening and you're not a subscriber, um, please go to Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast player you use and subscribe because that helps us in terms of uh, being able to say we have X number of of subscribers and listeners. And when we hit a certain uh, level of that, then we'll be able to um, uh, get a little bit of sponsorship money for what we're doing here. So if you enjoy it, then help support us by subscribing. It costs you nothing other than the click of a button. And it helps us out immensely. We appreciate your support. I'm Todd Brinker. Have a wonderful day. We'll be back tomorrow.